Marner top of the circle. Holes works back down in. Still with it down low into the corner. Tavares trying to get it back to Marner. Centered in front. Nylander shot backhand in front of the goal. They score! Matthews set up perfectly by John Tavares. And the Leafs are on the board with a power play goal. And Matthews with his 32nd of the season. Austin Matthews set up by John Tavares and William Nylander. That came on the man advantage. Andre Kasha also getting one tonight from Jason Spezza and Rasmus Sandin. Also on the man advantage. Leafs with the power play great tonight. Justin, you know, you and I joked about it in the uh, in the pregame show, and I should tell you, I don't know why you don't know this if you're listening right now, but Leafs falling 3-2 in Vancouver. I didn't want to sit here at the end of the game tonight talking about the Leafs had so many shots and then the chart comes out. We all see it on Twitter afterwards. The deserve to win meter <laughs> I said I didn't want to see it at 67%. Apparently, I wasn't generous enough to the Leafs. 80% the chart was at tonight. Uh, Leafs played well. Vancouver got a ton of saves. It, it feels like maybe that's far too simple to break it down. But I think if we're going to keep it very surface level, that that's the story of the game. It felt like to me. Well, you should be able to take some solace in that, right? 80%. That sounds <laughs> lovely. But it was, you know, somewhat self-inflicted or at least avoidable this mm-hmm. loss i mean thatcher demko played outstanding for the vancouver canucks clearly he was the difference in that game but there were other factors mm-hmm. falling behind early having to chase allowing bruce bruce boudreau to let his canucks sit back a little bit although i have a theory after this game we know who boudreau cheers for we when do. he's not coaching teams so maybe he just wanted to see his favorite team against the team he coaches put on one of the most entertaining games of the entire year in prime time Saturday night. I know Vancouver fans aren't very pleased that it's not even dinner time there yet or just past dinner time, I guess. But that deserved to be in prime time. And I think Boudreaux will be smiling after that one because he gets the win and he gets to see his team, the Maple Leafs. In an entertaining clash. Awesome game. I mean, you, you and I were, were sitting here, you know, wishfully thinking, man, that would be a great game. Look, they'd all be great games to be in the building for. But that just had a ton of pace, a ton of life. Uh, a lot of times you see it with Leafs fans where they go in there and take a building over. And they did that to a certain extent tonight. But obviously there was more than enough kind of pushback from the Canucks. You had the two fan bases getting into it. Tons of action up, up and down. It, it's exactly the type of atmosphere we, we all want to see when we when we go to a game so yeah if you were lucky enough to be there uh, tonight you definitely enjoyed it um okay i've been a good boy i've behaved for about three minutes do i get to complain <laughs> about the john tavares penalty now or uh, should i wait a little longer uh, the replay comes out john tavares stick is is slashed by mott tavares stick comes up it does catch mott i am not going to sit here and tell you it doesn't i am going to sit here and tell you i've seen that exact slash called a slash 800 times this year and calling it with a team trailing pressing a goal i know this stuff shouldn't matter it's john tavares it's not tyler mott like this isn't the other way on on the play uh, again, they made their own bed. They they have to lie in it a little bit. They did not lose the game because John Tavares got called for that power play. But when you're pushing like that, that was a death sentence to the game. There was 214 left when he gets called for that. And I, I don't know. I just, I don't know how you choose to call that in that instance. Yeah, I would say there's no turning back after that penalty was called with about two minutes, yeah. 25 seconds. But the Vancouver Canucks decided to act like they were playing with a man disadvantage during that power play and let the Leafs actually have some decent chances. But yeah, I mean, it was a penalty. Tavares was a penalty. Like he hit him with a high stick. It's really hard to argue with it. But you're completely right about Tyler Mott. 
he lifted his own stick from above his head and slammed it down onto the stick of a player about to shoot from a scoring area. I mean, that is pretty much the definition of a penalty aside from the fact that the stick didn't break. Yep. And there are a couple like objective markers in the NHL. If you draw blood penalty and if the stick breaks penalty, but John Tavares, I guess he uses what a one twenty flex and uh, it didn't slice right through it. So the Leafs instead, as he lifts his stick to try and react after the play catches Mott in the visor and the Leafs are getting, you know, pushed to this point where we don't think they could come back. Although they did press for it. Uh, it unfortunate end to what was 58 really enthralling minutes. Yeah. John Tavares apparently using the rebar flex uh, stick there. You know, J- Jason Spezza is the Leafs uh, resident stick guru. We got to get Tavares one uh, for third periods that, that can shatter just, just a little easier uh, because you're a little less reliable. A little, uh, I, I know it seems like a weird thing to say, especially when I gushed in the second period about how hard he is on his stick and how he can bear down on those pucks. Probably need a pretty uh, strong twig uh, to, to be able to do that. Um, you know, kind of not just drilling down on tonight's game, but stepping back and, and looking at the Calgary game. I think that the questions a lot of people are asking themselves right now, or you're sitting here and going, okay, Leafs have lost two straight. They haven't done it in, in nearly two months. It's been since that's happened now, but you've peppered over a hundred shots on goalies in the last two games and you have zero points to show for it. I think the reason why people are skeptical here is because for I think a little too long we've talked about well don't love the result but love what you saw out of it and it feels like now we've kind of swung the other way with the pendulum where no no we can't give them credit they lost they it's two losses in a row how are we going to sit here and give them credit and I'm not I'm not telling you that was a perfect game the least played tonight but you have to be doing something right if you're peppering over a hundred shots in in two games and, and stuff wrong falling behind on the Again, first shot for sure for sure um but you're right I mean you're not going to win every game this like this is this isn't even the Tampa Bay Lightning of 2018 where they lost what 10 yep. they had 62 victories like you're going to lose hockey games so how are you losing hockey games earlier on in the year it was it was pretty ugly how they were losing hockey games but if you drop a couple and this is their first uh consecutive games dropped in regulation since October 25th yeah. i mean if you lose those games in the way that they did 50 shots a piece and goalie to a certain extent in both I think you can live with it to a certain degree. I mean, their record on pace for maybe not 120 points anymore, but what does it drop down to 115 or 10 better than their franchise record in over a hundred years? Like things are going pretty well. So I, I, yeah, you want to win every game. You want to win in Vancouver on Saturday night. You want to beat the Calgary flames who were your rival in the division, I guess last year and Jake Muzzin and Matthew Kachuk hate each other. So maybe there's some (laughs) bragging rights there, but you're not going to win every game. You're probably not the lightning of 2018 and maybe you'll have a better result than the lightning did in 2018, but how you lose important. You can be disappointed, but when, when you put up a fight the way that they did and push for the equalizer, the way that they did and probably deserve the equalizer, the way that they had in that game, I think you can be okay with it. Yeah. And I, I think you, I think you should. And it's just, I, I, again, it's people, I think I think the other thing that's kind of cranking up the anxiety for lack of a better term right now around this this team especially in this fan base is we all know what Tampa is okay I I don't know that it matters what they look like during the regular season they're going to be one of the three best teams in the Atlantic they're going to get in a playoff series and they're going to look like the Tampa Bay Lightning have looked winning back-to-back cups 
But then the other team in this division is Florida. And I think especially for people, and if you're listening to this right now, this is probably you to a T, you follow the league, you keep an eye on things. You're not watching every Panthers game, but every single day you turn on morning highlights or you look at the scores on your phone, the Panthers are winning 15 nothing or 17-2. <laughs> and I think that's the thing that people, that's what's causing such anxiety is you have people, you're sitting here and you're watching your team and you're saying, Hey, it's a hundred shots in, in a couple of games. That's gotta be good. That's an offensive juggernaut. And then a team in the division that you still haven't seen yet that you won't see for over a month still is just putting up big night after big night. And I think that's where a lot of the kind of consternation is coming from too. Well, if it is anxiety, at least it's been alleviated the last couple of weeks. Cause it seems like Florida has been off for the last two weeks. Yeah. I don't think they've played a couple of days leading up to the all-star break. And I don't think they've played a game since mm-hmm. the, the reconvene reconvening of these teams so uh maybe there's some solace there but you're right i mean the ease to which teams score goals like it's a funny thing like do you expect the florida panthers to be what they are in the regular season in the playoffs i think they have they have just as much proving to do in the stanley cup playoffs as the leafs or say the colorado avalanche Mm -hmm. who have hit you know they've stubbed their toe every single time as well so we know the game changes um, it's about little details and if you are to cherry pick a few negative ones it is that the Leafs in these two games where they put up a hundred shots have had lulls where they've been kind of bad mm-hmm. and they've had some sloppy play and namely out of their defense core and just times where they fall asleep a little bit, a little sleepy and it costs them to be wide awake, wired 55 minutes of the game. But if you sleep through five minutes and you allow two goals, it becomes more difficult to get back in the game. And we saw uh, a, a bad second period versus Calgary. And we saw two moments at the beginning and end end of periods for Peter Morazic in particular, and of course, there's some players that were involved mm-hmm. in these mistakes. But if you could eliminate those, if you could eliminate and play 60 full minutes, certainly the way they played in this game for the large majority of it, then you're scary. You're Florida scoring eight, nine, and ten tonight. That was very nice of you to refer to Justin Hall as some players uh, making mistakes <laughs> uh, on that first hole, uh, first goal. Um, I don't want to just single him out, but I mean, he's as good a player to talk about as anyone. Kind of talking about the decor, Jake Muzzin, his struggles. We, we're all very aware of what they've been this season. I think I think uh, the most charitable explanation you can look at is say, okay, he's going to have a fresh start. He's back. Hopefully he can kind of refine his game. But, you know, Justin Hall's been, been fighting it. Uh, the thing that's kind of jumped out to me about his game as of late is he has felt like a player who doesn't trust what's going on around him. And I think that the, this is a little, it, it can be a little touchy subject and I'm not saying Justin all gets touchy about it, but in Leafland, because he rotted in the press box for so long, it does look like a guy who's kind of in need of just sitting and watching for a little bit, because it feels to me like on any given night, there are one or two plays and these aren't, these aren't disastrous mistakes, but it is just over committing to a read and then trying to overcommit back the other way. And now that Muzzin is healthy and you have your seven D and who knows what happens at the deadline. I'm not saying sit him for five straight or anything like that, but it feels like this is definitely a time to maybe give him a bit of a blow. Let him see the game from up top. Yeah. And I guess they have that option with Travis Dermott sort of waiting in the wings here. I think the issue, and I think your your analysis is bang on, because it seems like this is someone who's thinking a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And, and the thing with Justin Hall, unlike other players, is that in order to fulfill his role on the team as a top four defenseman, he has to be playing at the very top of his performance range. No mistakes. Yeah. And we saw that pretty much all season long last year in the friendlier confines of the North Division. But this year, if you're not playing in that... 95 to 100% of your capabilities range and you're thinking a little bit more 
and that half step maybe is a little slower, everything starts to speed up around you. And all of a sudden, the issues start mounting and piling up. And I think that's really the issue here is that there's a couple things that aren't functioning the way he'd like. I think the psychological factor is probably playing a role as well. The diminishing returns a little bit on Jake Muzzin impacting everything. And when you lose 1% and 2% or uh, a couple factors here and there, it gets to the point where a player who's really reaching to be mm-hmm. a top four defender is suddenly looks anything but. Yeah, it's it's a little like we talk about with players with their aging curves, where if you're if you're a guy who is a burner and you lose a little bit of speed, you could probably still get around okay because you had speed to burn. But if you're somebody who needed every single ounce, and you know, it's funny, Tavares is a guy I kind of think of in this regard, and he's reinvented himself another way. But if you're somebody who needed every ounce of your speed to get around, the second you lose it, it it's amazing what it can be. And I, I feel like it's kind of similar with, with Justin Hall. And you're also not asking John Tavares to be the sole offensive mm-hmm. producer anymore in long Island when he was at the top of his performance range. And again, we're not trying to slander John Tavares here. He is what he is now. And that's still an immensely talented player and a player that can do the things that we saw on the Austin Matthews goal, which is very rare in this league, but he is now in, he's in a slot below and that slot below is not an option right now for Justin Hall. If by chance, a Nick Ritchie trade turns into a legitimate middle pairing defenseman, then maybe Justin Hall can lose that step, can play at 85%, and still be a solid contributor on this team. It's all about sort of what your importance is compared to your performance. And right now, the mo- the one that doesn't jive is Justin Hall. Yep, no, I uh, I agree. Uh, I agree with all that. Um, one thing that that's kind of jumping in into my mind, and you know, we'll 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 talk about this on the other on the other side here is we know that first line is absolutely rolling right now. Bunting, Matthews, Marner, uh, you know, I know Nylander and Tavares got on the score sheet tonight, but it was with the man advantage. I do wonder if there's a world where now you don't want to mess with what's working, but do you want to spread out what's working across the team? I think that's something uh, we'll, we'll talk about as we continue. Going to hear from Sheldon Keefe. Our buddy Luke Fox is going to join us. There was news on 32 Thoughts. <laughs> oh, my. We have so much to jam in here uh, as we continue breaking down what was, unfortunately, a 3-2 Leafs loss on the road in Vancouver. Justin Cuthbert alongside me, Brent Gunning, as we continue with Leafs Nation postgame on Sportsnet. Five night of the fan. If you love shots on goal, the Toronto Maple Leafs are your team. I mean, let's be honest. If you're listening to this, the Toronto Maple Leafs are your team. Uh, popping over 100 shots on goal in the last two games. They have no points to show for it. Uh, 3-2 is the final in Vancouver tonight with the Canucks on the uh, the winning side of things there. Uh, I've loved what we've seen out of the Austin Matthews line. That's because I have two eyes and watch the game of hockey. I'm pretty sure anybody else who, who's doing it would, would feel the same way. In In terms of, you know, we often so much talk about where should Nylander be? Where should Marner be? And it feels like it's about getting the center going. What do you do? Do you just keep this top line rolling? Let them go. Let them feast on competition. And you figure Nylander and Tavares and Kerfoot will figure it out. Or is there a world where you say, okay, we, we've we seen the Tavares and Marner thing. We know that can work. We've seen Matthews and Nylander. We know that can work. What do you do? Yeah, I mean, Sheldon Keefe wanted to mix things up and really he reverted back to things very, very quickly at the first sign of trouble. (laughs) He went back and you know, when you're in the position, the Maple Leafs in now there's two ways to look at it. The Atlantic division is important to win it Mm -hmm. because you're going to get 
likely an inferior opponent, but maybe the Boston. Yeah, I was going to say, oh, it. gee, oh, wouldn't that be fun? Or or you could look at it as, hey, these are the four teams getting in. and We got to be at our best. So how do we be at our best? Do you try to figure out, you know, what is the combination that's going to work best and stick with it and build it to the nth degree? Or do you have different things that you can turn to? And I, I do see the value in having things to turn to. But I do think the dynamic is pretty clear in that whoever Mitch Marner is playing with is going to be the superstar that's accentuated. We talked about this a little yep. bit. He's like the I, new Zach Hyman because it used to be whatever's line Zach Hyman was on was the number one line. He, he is the guy who's going to fit in best with each of them. So mm-hmm. which one do you want to help? Is John Tavares needing of help right now? I, I don't necessarily think that. I, I think this team is at its best when Austin Matthews is at his best. And when Austin Matthews is at his best, he's got Mitch Marner beside him. Uh, and I, I'd like to see, you know, John Tavares and William Nylander work this out by themselves and, and be better than they have been. I think, you know, they've had about a 30% goal share in the last, mm-hmm. you know, little stretch here uh, where they haven't played as well. So personally, I'd like to see them come out of the, themselves because I think they have the time and the, and the leeway to do that. But maybe I'm looking at Alex Kerfoot and maybe I think mm. there should be a change there, be it Ilya Mikheyev or even Pierre Engvall, who continues to play well for this team. So I, I feel like that's where I would go. I uh, I don't hate I, there. Man, there are many times in his Leafs career that I would have hated the idea of Pierre Engvall uh, getting a look up there. I, I don't hate the idea of that. Switch things up. See if a, a third cog can be a little different. Give a guy. I, Keith has been somebody who's always wanted to reward players lower in the lineup who, who are playing well. So I don't I, I don't dislike that idea at all. I think the way I kind of look at it is you want to optimize the four of them going. And it feels to me like right now, the guy who's kind of going the least is uh, the guy who's going the least is William Nylander. And it seems to me like the best way to get him going would be to play him with Austin Matthews. But I don't know that you want to break up Marner and Matthews uh, to do that. Somebody who I'm sure has opinions on the matter. He has lots of opinions on lots of Leafs matters. Our buddy, Luke Fox. Luke, I feel like it's been forever since I talked to you. How are you doing? It's it's been a minute. Yeah, no, I'm doing great. That was a fun game. It was, um, you know, r- ran into a pretty hot goalie. Um, you know, it's always uh, remarkable when someone makes more than 50 saves, but that was a hoot to watch. And um, I, I just love the fact that every goal gets cheered because there's so many elite <laughs> fans and the Canucks fans are so vocal too. Um, that, yeah, I, I, I thought the energy uh, of that game was fantastic. Yeah, Luke, we were saying the same things. It's cool when every moment is celebrated in a hockey game. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's very rare that we see that. And you're right. Fantastic game. I mean, the gasps were right to the very end when Morgan Riley somehow found Austin Matthews for one more shot towards goal. And I think Bunting had a chance on the rebound as well. So it was electric throughout. Uh, I'm wondering, as you know, you've watched every Leaf game up close and personal or, or very intently, at least. Does that one rank right up right at the top for you this year? Yeah, it's it's definitely top five in terms of you know entertainment. Um, I thought the Colorado game um, that they lost was also a blast. Um, That that was probably one of my my funnest ones to watch. But yeah, that that one's right up there. Um, The Calgary game was good too. Uh, You know, just two really strong goalies they ran into, but lots of scoring chances, lots of intensity. Uh, oh, I'll throw the Winnipeg Jets game in too. Mm. That 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 was up there because it, it had a little bit of nastiness in it. Um, that that was one of my favorites of the season too. 
I think uh, March 13th is the next game against the Winnipeg Jets. We can just go ahead and circle that one. I'm sure Logan Stanley will be not a popular man uh, at Scotiabank uh, when, when they're back there. And I, I can't wait for that. Yeah, I, uh, I highlight all those as well. I'll go ahead and throw one more in there. And this you know speaks more to who I am. I like the 8-3 pumping of Colorado at home. That one was a little more fun for me than the back and forth. You know, I don't like chewing on my fingernails so much. But, uh, you know, I am, uh, I am who I am. You know, we were talking, Luke, about the idea that this first line is rolling so well. They, you go back to that Calgary game. They had 20 shots combined in that, in that game. But the second line, the Tavares-Nylander line, now, I don't think it's been, you know, terrible or anything like that. I just think it's kind of lacked the pop. Is You know, we know Keith went to the blender a little earlier and really, really shook things up. Can you see a world where they flip the wingers again and it's Marner with Tavares and Nylander with Matthews just to try to maybe shake some life into both of those lines? Or, or do you just leave that first line rolling the way it is and let Tavares and Nylander figure it out? I think you leave the first line because that – first line is one of the hottest lines in hockey right now. Like Austin Matthews is on a seven game point streak where he's got seven goals and seven assists. Um, and I know some of that's on the power play, but that line looks dangerous every time they're out. Mitch Marner is just coming off the goal streak of his life. Uh, I would leave it for now, but I, I could totally see a world where it gets changed down the road. Um, Sheldon Keefe's never been afraid to tinker and, and adjust based on, you know, what he sees, and he's trying to get energy in guys. Um, and I think John Tavares has actually played really well the last couple of games. That pass he made to, to Matthews was phenomenal. Um, Willie seems a little off, right? Like, he started really strong, um, and his production is still there. He's getting some points on the power play and everything. But five on five, he seems a little off. Um, he had that neutral zone turnover that led to a goal tonight. And uh, that line's not clicking. So, you know, what Keith decided to do was take Kerfoot off and pump McKayev up for a little bit midway through the game. And, you know, after, after the game, he was uh, telling reporters that, you know, that's not a slight on Kerfoot. He's been excellent all season, but he just thought McKayev had a little bit more jump tonight. And um, this has been a low-level thing, I think, for Keith trying to get that second line going five-on-five because it's been, I don't know, like two or three weeks now where they just haven't, you know, dominated the way that you'd expect um, with JT and and Nylander um, running that line. Another storyline, or at least maybe one that uh, Gunning and I sort of manufactured while we were talking pregame was the possibility of uh, maybe one or two Canucks being future Leafs. Uh, You know, lots of talk about Luke Shen in the trade market. Uh, Tyler Mott seems to be a name that's going to be at least talked about as the mega team converges uh, on Vancouver um, with all the new hires there in the hockey ops department. Uh, Did you see a, a future Leaf on the ice tonight? (laughs) <laughs> I think that, I think there's totally potential for that happening. Um, you know, I, I put in my blog today that I, uh, I wrote about Tyler Mott and just, you know, he's the kind of guy that the Leafs would want. And, you know, I mean, this is the Leafs show we're talking about the Leafs, but really any contending team would want this guy. Right. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he's on an expiring deal. He's cheap. Like his cap hits, not, not going to break you. So, you know, it's, it's a guy that, uh, Dubas could accommodate that way. Um, and if you look at his numbers, they spike every time he gets to the postseason. He's a big game performer. And he does all the, you know, the dirty things like hits and block shots and starts all of his... Uh, Slash John Tavares' stick late in the game. Yeah, do that yeah. type of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> 
No, but he's he's a gamer, um, and you know he's not he's not going to make big headline news for the team that picks him up. But he's the kind of you know defensive minded forward role player that could help a playoff team and add to their depth. And I think the Leafs would look at a guy like him, but I'm sure there's going to be lots of contenders that are going to look at a guy like him. Yeah, and uh, and again, if you can get away with that, uh, if you can get, if you can get away with that at the tail end of a game, I'll I'll absolutely take him uh, in in blue and white. Uh, last one before we let you go. Uh, goaltending always a topic with this team it was a topic in November when Jack Campbell was standing on his head and we thought he was going to win the Vezda and star going to gold for the states and at the Olympics and now it's been kind of the polar opposite of that I don't think Mrazek was dreadful by any means last night but it was the fourth time this year the Leafs have seen the first shot they allowed go in the net Um, what do you make of the goaltending and how much is there a cause for concern right now well uh, I don't know if there's extreme cause for concern. Um, but, you know, the Leafs have had the second-best goalie two nights in a row. That's why they lost. Uh, you know, Sheldon Keith said, we should have won this game 2-1. Uh, so, you know, that's, that's a compliment to, to Demko, but it's also a bit of a slight on his own guy saying, you know, we've we got to make some saves or we got to be – we can't give up grade-A chances like that in in the first period and kind of – start with uh, a step behind in terms of the intensity of the game. Um, but, you know, th- this team dominates, and they play that game ten times. The Leafs probably win nine of them. Uh, they just they don't have they don't have a Demko, right? Um, Jack Campbell was, was playing like one the first half of the season, but now they're, they've gone back into this mode of 1A and 1B, uh, and I think, honestly, I think it's like whoever gets hot can grab that net. Because they, it's really important for this team to pile up points in the regular season. They really want to win the Atlantic and get a wild card team. They don't want to have to go through both Florida and Tampa. They'd rather just have to face one of them in round two. So uh, it, the net is there. So it's up to Campbell or Mrazek to grab it. And whoever performs better, I think that that's the guy who's going to get the majority of the starts. And that, that sound you heard across all of southwestern Ontario was people wincing with the thought of a first-round series against the Bruins if they are able to win uh, the Atlantic. But, hey, we'll take that problem uh, when we get there. Luke, uh, always love talking to you. Thanks so much, bud. Yeah, and the Red Wings are coming. Oh, uh, they, they are. They, they, they want that spot. <laughs> I, I saw some interesting comments by Dylan Larkin. He, he's not giving up yet. All right, have a good night, guys. Uh, there he goes, uh, Luke Fox. I've been I've been joking that there's two races in the Atlantic. There's the race for playoff positioning and games that matter, and then there's the race to push Boston out of the playoff spot in this division in years going forward. Buffalo's been rebuilding forever. The Sens have constantly been retooling. I know they had a you know Stanley Cup final run in there because Montreal did it too, and now the Red Wings. That's been the race I'm kind of watching at the bottom of the Atlantic. Red Wings, Sabres, Senators. Who gets good enough, quick enough to push Boston out of the playoff picture? It's not going to be this year. Sorry, Dylan Larkin. But I uh, I do have a lot of faith with what the Wings are building there. There, are always some, there was also some misplaced optimism about the Senators recently. But we'll, we'll leave it there. I don't think they're making any run. Um, I'm on the Red Wings, though. I mean, they sure. look really good. Uh, you know, those young players coming up. I hope that it all works. I mean, Dylan Larkin is not getting up there in age but, i was gonna uh, say he he might be the chip that that uh, pushes them over when they inevitably trade him but he might be their demar yeah, DeRozan. yeah i mean it depends how it all works out right? i mean he could be the guy ex- exactly that sort of uh sets the table or completes the feast i guess 
uh, in the end there. But like a, a team like Philly, where they brought in all those young mm-hmm. players and they had those Couturiers and Giroux yep. in place, but there was always a disconnect. It never seemed to work. So that's always what you worry about with a young team. But Detroit had the luxury with Eisenman of taking it slow, like Gorton is going to do in Montreal. And I think it's all going to work out there. I just wouldn't pick any team to slip out yet. I mean, Boston is going to continue being Boston. Yep. I mean, they, what, they've been one of the most, you know, successful teams for so long. They had one bad year. They, re, they, re, they regenerated really quick there with the Bruins. And as we always say, oh, man, thank God they didn't hit on any of those picks that year when they oh, had the man. three in a row. Who, who went right behind them? It was, it was Shabbat. I believe Duria was in the mix there. Like Barzal, Barzal and Connor. Yeah, that's right. The that's famous it. tweet. That's right. Oh, man. Oof, oof, oof. That gives me solace. There's not a lot regarding the Leafs and the Bruins that gives me any any ability to smile, any any solace whatsoever. But that uh, most certainly does. Uh, the other thing in the mix there, we're just just kind of talking about the teams at the bottom. I'm with you. I think Detroit is the group. Uh, you and I were talking a little bit about this uh, before. This Owen Power. I can't wait till he gets to play some games uh, in the NHL because uh, he was playing for Team Canada. I had a half an eye on that uh, this morning. Actually, I woke up to watch that and. Uh, he is a he's a big strong man, and him and Darlene, I don't know about the rest of it, but they look like a group that should be terrifying to play together. I think it's going to take a while. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to take a little yep. bit. I mean, Owen Power. <laughs> I mean, we talk about things taking it slow. Steve Eisman getting to take it slow. Gorton getting to take it slow. Good on Owen Power for realizing he didn't. He there were other things yep. for him this year, this hockey season, this uncertain season of hockey. There were better things than grinding it out with the Buffalo Sabers. Let's just hope Claude Julien gives him a little bit more. I mean, maybe the ice time's fine, but I think more responsibility. I'd like to see him on power play one because I think that could get the uh, Canadian men going from an offensive perspective. Yeah, I'd love to. He's uh, he's an impressive, impressive young man. Of course, hat trick in his lone uh, World Juniors game. The guy's gonna guy, guy had a chance to win World Junior gold. He's gonna play in the Olympics. He's played in the World Championship, and then he's gonna get around to the NHL. A uh, weird, weird path he has taken. I, I could say the same for us. We're doing a Leafs postgame show, and I'm talking about Owen Power and the Buffalo Sabres. We're going to get back on the rails. Luke was telling us, giving us some of the nuggets about Sheldon Keefe. We're going to go right to the horse's mouth. We're going to go to Sheldon Keefe, not now, but next on Leafs Nation postgame. Justin Cuthbert alongside me, Brent Gunning. Keep listening on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Back-to-back losses for the Leafs after a 3-2 loss in Vancouver. Uh, that's the bad news. The good news, they've, they've put up over 100 shots in two games. I want to, I should probably clarify that, over 50 in each, not over 100 shots in back-to-back games. That, that would be a lot. 50-plus, uh, that's a lot. You got to like some of your effort. Uh, let's hear what Leafs head coach Sheldon Keefe had to say following the 3-2 final. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I didn't like to start, you know, that first goal that we give up. <clears throat> to me, we just lacked the intensity required to start the game in that instance there, and it cost us. Uh, from that point, I, th- yeah, I liked a lot about our game. I, I thought they gave up a little too much with their counter and their transition coming out of our long ozone sequences, and then they would counter and get a pretty good rush chance the other way. But, I mean... Obviously, we deserved a whole lot more offense and goals than we got tonight. So, you know, but that's what happens, right? You you spot them a 2 nothing lead. It's a team that relies on world-class goaltending to win games as it is, and then you give them a two-goal lead, and it's, uh, it's an uphill climb from there. Love that our guys kept fighting two huge power play goals to even the game. Uh, tough one to give up at the end of the second there to, to give them the lead back. And, you know, that's... 
know, goaltending is the difference. But really, for me, because I don't coach the goaltender on the other side, uh, it's about the, our, you know, the two goals we give them off the stop, off the hop. Yeah, we came we came close. We were looking at it, and you know the way the rule is, and the way all the most of the precedents are that if the contact happens outside the the blue paint, that it's it's not going to be uh, it's not going to come back. Um, it's not going to be deemed goalie interference. And as we're contemplating it, the, the official told us that he actually had a tripping penalty on Mrazic, um on the play which gave us a pretty good insight as to their their mindset and the feedback they would be giving to the you know to the NHL office you know, to the war room so we we didn't we weren't confident that it would be called based on the precedent and what we know of where the contact occurred and then the fact they have a tripping penalty from Mrazic tells us that their sense of it is that it was Mrazic in fact that initiated the contact so I, it's a world class goalie, and, and the other, and I, I don't. Know, I think we did a lot of good things today. We we had a lot, the puck moving a lot, a lot of shots off the pass. We had traffic. Uh, there's always things you can do better, but I, you know we we deserved a lot more than we got today. You know, hats off to their to their goalie. He's been unbelievable all season for them. Um, you know, for I just, yeah, like I said. That's part. That's part of the story in the game. The the bigger part is you, you can't you can't give them the lead, right? I mean, to me, we should have won the game two one. You know, we'll give them their power play goal, maybe their second one or maybe the third one, whatever. But you, you can't dig that hole. I mean, there's no there's no reason why we couldn't have won this game two one tonight. No, I mean it's it's un, it's unlike us. Obviously, we've been very consistent with our ability to bounce back and put together. We're, long stretches of winning um but i mean i i don't like the start so i mean i, I think we to me it's, it's self-inflicted loss here tonight uh and i don't like that <clears throat> but i mean we did we did a lot of really good things here today so you know we're not going to get uh we're not going to get too down about this one but there's certainly things we can take away from it and learn Yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's a tough one, right? I mean, we 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 turn the puck over in the neutral zone, and, and uh, they counter back at us, and it's a hard shot coming. I mean, yeah, sure, you, you know, like to handle that handle that better, but it's a tough it's a tough play. Uh, it's a tough goal to give up when you know when our our guys know how difficult it is to score on the other end. You know, that's that's that's, that's a tough one for sure. But but. Uh, like I said, we had to defend better in those moments. You know, whether it's the start of the game or whether it's after, you know, it's that turnover itself that creates a transition. Those are plays that you have to eliminate, especially when you go into a game and you know goals are going to be hard to come by. Uh, so, you know, that's that's the story for me because uh, you know we we get down in, in the game and and uh, it's hard to come back. Um, you know, like I said, it, this this should have been a two-one win for us here tonight, and we, we get out of here on the backs of special teams. Um, but that's not the case. So, you know, obviously we're we're zero for two here on this trip, and that's not nearly good enough. So we got to uh, regroup here and finish the trip off right. 
I think there's some intrigue and some excitement uh, about it. Obviously, first time for everybody going in there to play. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's had itself. We'll get a, a practice day tomorrow, so it's a chance to get acclimated and comfortable and all those kind of things. It's, uh, it's different, obviously, but time puck drops, it'll be NHL hockey. I just thought I just thought Mickey had some good legs today. I just thought I just thought in that moment uh, I just thought his ability to get to the net and uh, get something going for us uh, would be you know would be uh, thought it'd be a good uh, look for him on that line. Um, you know, Kerf, Kerf's played really well for us. He's been one of our most consistent players all season long. He's one of our most productive five on five players. I just I thought in tonight's game I thought Mikheyev was giving us a little bit more in that moment. I thought Mikheyev did give him a lot tonight. I saw a lot of jawing around the net. You know, you know, this is a guy who, you know, he's working on his English and stuff. I like him taking any and all opportunities to work on all facets of its English. You know, I'm sure there's there's some words he mixes in there that aren't as common in uh, other facets of his life. Uh, I I think Sheldon Keefe struck a, a kind of the perfect tone following the, the couple of games we've just seen uh, out of the Leafs. You know, this is a guy who clearly is a little frustrated. He's getting sick and tired of talking about how amazing the other team's goaltender is. But I think he also realizes that your team's got to be doing some good things. If you're making life that difficult for, for the other team's goal that you don't want to bring the hammer down all the time. But that, that feels like a guy who feels like a lot of us out there getting a little exasperated. Sick and tired to talk about the other goalie, but also his own a little willing to throw a little bit of shade on his own mm-hmm. goalie saying that it should have been two to one uh, would imply that two of the goals Vancouver scored weren't, you know, yeah, anything special or something that shouldn't have uh, that should have gone through one of his goaltenders. Uh, but the, the the dreaded start, like how long in this market have we been talking about poor starts? I mean, it goes back coach after coach after coach. If a coach could be created in a lab somewhere, they would have the ability to prevent the poor start. But until that happens and it's not going to happen, we are going to be talking about bad starts. It's, it's like kind of like I'm talking, I'm tired. He's tired of talking about the goaltenders on the other side. I'm talk- tired of talking about bad starts because there's nothing really c- we could say. Yep. Yeah, it was a bad start. The Leafs were the better team. They had a bad start and they lost. Yeah, there's not much more than that. Yeah, and it's been the pattern far, far too often with this team in the past, and it's been the pattern uh, for the past couple of games, uh, or all, uh, the past couple of games uh, anyways. Uh, Justin, fun, fun, fun getting you on. We'll be back Monday. First trip to Seattle, and the thing Sheldon Keefe wouldn't say, but I'll say it. Grubauer's not standing on his head like Demko, and he's not standing on his head like Markstrom. So it should be a little more fun in Seattle Monday night. We'll be back with you. So will Joe and Jim. They'll have the call. Danielle, behind the glass. Wonderful job. J.R. Manitad, pretty good job uh, producing tonight. Uh, JC, uh, tons and tons of fun. We'll be back on Monday. Thank you for listening to Leaf Station Postgame on Sportsnet 590 The Fan and the Maple Leafs Radio Network.